Okay, let's talk about this. Josh Gad just tweeted, 10,000 retweets, one simple message, get out the vote. If we can hit mm-hmm. that milestone, I will recap the entire Star Wars franchise as Olaf. <laughs> I think that's worth it. Who wants this? <laughs> I think my biggest issue with this, honestly, is that that he chose the character Olaf instead of his uh, much more iconic character from Artemis Fowl. Like, if he if he recapped <laughs> all of Star Wars with that voice, yeah, that would be um, that would be worth it, and I would. That would that. be worth uh, committing voter fraud and voting in the <laughs> U.S. election. Well, he does say, "Is it is it votes or retweets? Should I retweet it?" Retweets. Okay, I'm gonna retweet it for for my fans. Um, and that's the the other thing is all these like celebrities get together to um, get out the message that you should vote are all like the same like five celebrities where I'm like not sure anyone actually likes them. <laughs> like it's Josh Gad, <laughs> Sarah Silverman, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Ruffalo. Famously, I'm problematic. Yes. Yeah, like all. All these people who are like, okay, I know that they are famous, but I'm not exactly sure <laughs> why. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure anyone actually is excited to see them. I'm not excited to see them. I hate any celebrity who tells me to vote makes yeah. me less likely to vote, even though I can't vote. And that's just my feelings on the matter. Um, should we talk about Blue Velvet? That sounds Next. like a plan. Yeah, let's talk about... Yeah. For this very spooky episode of Lynchpin. Ooh. <laughs> Halloween episode. We're Ooh. talking about spooky psychosexuality. Goo um, velvet. <laughs> shut it down. Shut it down. Okay. Podcast um, over. Finished. <laughs> In heaven, everything is fine. sort of property from the David Lynch oeuvre work and this week we are talking about Blue Velvet a film from 1986 classic year written and directed by David Lynch um, classic and person loved by everyone as when it came out and caused no problems universally um, loved universally beloved movie yeah. Blue Velvet 5.0 um, on uh, Letterboxd a, a fun fact, when me and Alec lived in this shitty apartment in second year, um, <laughs> the walls were really, like, stained. Um, uh-huh. So I just put, like, a bunch of pictures of Carl McLaughlin to, like, cover some of the stains. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. And one of them As was a picture of him, like, holding the ear, so that's what I think about when I see <laughs> oh, yeah. the <laughs> There were some good ones. It was good. It really did lighten the mood. Yeah. It's just, just fun for everyone. Yeah, so Blue Velvet, did we like this one? Should we say who we are? Oh, fuck. I don't know how to <laughs> podcast. I don't do it enough. 
Hi, I'm your host, Jazz. Uh, I'm your host, Janos. Hi, I'm your host, Alec. I'm your host, Jan. That's us. We're hosting a podcast. Well, hey. <laughs> yeah, so did we like Blue Velvet? How do we feel about watching the movie I'm Blue like Velvet? I'm like thinking about uh, conceptualizing it in my mind. Please uh, Yeah. To put, put yourself into a mind space where you're hearing like the song Blue Velvet in the movie. Can you remember it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yes. imagine, imagine a parody of, of that song, but it's about podcasting. So it would be uh-huh. called Blue Snowball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except um, mine would be called Blue Yeti because I have a Blue yeah. Yeti, not a Blue Snowball. Um, <laughs> that's right. It's the class wow. dichotomy of the podcaster. Um, uh, yeah. Pretty good movie, just... I thought. Really good movie. Nice I'm gonna, uh I, I think let's let's flip the script on this one and talk... Because I'm, I, I have opened up Letterboxd, and here's a review uh, that says "massive waste of time." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine. Here's a different one. I cannot imagine liking this any less. Blue Velvet is the world's shittiest mystery. Without the distinction of the talent attached, its script isn't fit for the community theater. <laughs> mm, yeah. Interesting. I was like, "Damn, where I've was got- the twist?" Where I was like, yeah. "Oh, they did it." What a disappointment of a murder mystery. This film made me impossibly angry directly after watching it and continues to vex me whenever oh, it wow. crosses my mind. <laughs> I can't, I I can't imagine getting happens. angry at this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're coming at it like, I want this to be a murder mystery noir uh-huh. where the plot is like the point, then you might get mad at it. But that's not what it's trying to do. It's, You're not like it's not. putting clues together, really, mm. are you? <laughs> and I guess, I guess it's like, you know, I guess it's kind of the point, right? Yes. You know, I was looking at Letterbox to see if they give us like some um, discussion points, <laughs> but everyone is just saying like the bad reviews just all say that this is trash. So I guess I I just go out there and say, oh, this is a good review. This is one star review that just says David bitch. Nice. <laughs> I, I did find one. Um, what kind of dumb freak sees an ear lying around on the ground and decides to just grab it and stick it into a fucking paper bag? <laughs> Jeffrey Beaumont, baby. Jeffrey Beaumont. He's wow. here. He's picking up ears. Oh, incredible. What if he was Jeffrey Boomer? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what if? <laughs> kind, kind of is what the film's about if you think about it Jeffrey Boomont okay I'm grabbing the reins of this podcast and I'm turning it around um, <laughs> should I do a quick summary for people I mean yeah. I don't know if people don't know the plot line okay so Blue Velvet is about a boy called Jeffrey Beaumont who returns to his weird small town well it's not weird it's meant to be like idyllic uh, suburban nice town. town of uh, was it Lumberton. Lumberton, yeah, Lumberton, mm, which is an incredibly <laughs> funny name. <laughs> yes, Lumberton, and the first thing we see is a pig sign says Lumberton, and people singing logs, logs, logs. <laughs> this is maybe one of the least subtle films David Lynch has ever made. Oh, for sure. Just the idea of people like misinterpreting stuff about but it. And being still like, like, the script is bad. Really I still fun. have the letterbox open, and there's one person who says, 
uh, feels like satire, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm. It's not. Mm. Okay. So <laughs> he returns to Lumberton. Uh, on the way back from the hospital, he's throwing rocks at a bottle of beer like a loser and accidentally stumbles across a severed human ear, which he picks <gasps> up. Puts in a bag and takes to the cops because he's a, he's a he's a snitch and is like I found this ear, <laughs> <laughs> and the cops like oh that's fucked up, um, but you can't tell anyone about it it's it's a secret. He meets the detective's daughter who's played by Laura Dern and is Sandy, and she's very like girl next door, very pure looking, innocent. She they all dress like it's the 1950s, which. For all we know, it could be. I don't know. It's based on 1950s noir, but like other things make me think it's not the 1950s. Mm. You know, it's David Lynch. Yeah. Um, I think it's supposed to be the 1950s, but it's like, but also not, you know. Well, there's not, there's never any racism in it. And there are like black characters who work in the store. Yeah, that's like, true. That means that's not very 50s because I'm pretty sure they... That, but it's yeah. also just David Lynch is completely uninterested in making any political statements so you know he could True, just have but well but like that. um i don't know some of the fashions kind of 80s it's it's very like mm. proto twin peaks in a lot of yeah. this i think um the cars are all from the 50s yeah oh that's true jeffrey uh is like i want to know what's going on sandy tells him it's to do with this lounge singer lounge singer called dorothy valance uh, Jeffrey's like the logical conclusion of this is for me to sneak into her room, <laughs> immediate and hide, breaking and entering, and hide in her cupboard uh, because I am not very attracted to her. Yeah, I'm not a um, pervert. <laughs> I'm not a pervert. Um, I will say I think I think Jeffrey's character in this is very much supposed to be like innocent boy, forcibly drawn into a horrible world of evil. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it. Um, uh, yeah, so Jeffrey hides in the closet after he sees her performing Blue Velvet at the lounge where she works. Um, we learn that Jeffrey likes Heineken because um, he has bad taste. <laughs> because he hates he himself. Says, they're like, my father drinks bad, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's at least better than bad. I mean, none of the beer is good, so I... It's America. I drink, There's no good beer in America, work. famously. Yeah, the beer in America, uh, wouldn't want any of that. Yeah, so he, while he's hiding in the closet, he accidentally catches her. Well, he watches her undress for a bit, just like as you do. Mm-hmm. She Might realizes well. she's there. She threatens him at knife point, um, forces him to undress, and basically is like sexually assaults him. But they're interrupted by Frank, who appears, and it's very normal. He has, he's got like a psychosexual obsession with. Blue Velvet, the song and Blue Velvet, the Velvet. He loves it. He does some weird sexual stuff with her, which is obviously coerced. He's very violent. He tells her not to look at him a lot, which is what she says to Jeffrey earlier. He keeps like taking some drug or something with a face mask, which I'm not sure what it is. Because hmm. um, it doesn't appear to be like laughing gas, which is what you normally get from a yeah, mask. Yeah, I've been but... wondering about that. But I'm not sure. Gas that makes you go crazy and horny. Yeah, crazy yeah, like gas. Crazy horny gas. That's sort of what it is. Yeah. He uh, he like um, assaults her. He does a bunch of other stuff, um, and then leaves. She cries a lot. Jeffrey sort of comforts her, and then she sort of thinks he's her missing husband, and she's pretty out out of it a lot most of the time. 
he figures out that her um, husband and son have been kidnapped by Frank in order to coerce her into like sexual situations. He's like, that's fucked up. I'm going to go... I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to go tell Sandy about it and she'll love it. She tells he tells Sandy, um, but they decide not to go to the police yet because he doesn't want Sandy to get in trouble with her dad. Jeffrey goes to... He sort of keeps an eye on Frank. He goes to um, Dorothy's show again, follows Frank and witnesses like a drug thing gone wrong. I'm not really sure what's happening here. It's something to do with drugs <laughs> and someone gets murdered by someone. There's a guy called the Yellow Man who's also hanging around. He continues having an an affair with um, Dorothy, who wants him to hit her, uh, and he doesn't want to until she sort of yells at him a bit, and then he does hit her, and he feels kind of bad about it. But they have sex, so not that bad. Yeah, he doesn't feel that bad, um, and not not at this point. But he will. Later. Yeah, not. Um, yeah. At that point, Frank arrives and is like, who's this guy? And she's like, oh, he's just a neighbour. And Frank's like, well, we will go on a fun trip together. Let's all go on a road trip. Joyride. <laughs> Let's go on a joyride. So they all head to this guy Ben's house, who's just a guy who's very suave. I don't know what his deal is, really. It's Dr. Yu from Dune. Yeah, it's Dr. Yui. Um, oh, yeah. he, he's very oh. chill. And he... And um, he lip syncs Roy Orbison's In Dreams, which makes Frank cry because he has got some sort of thing with that song as well. Mm -hmm. Is this movie anti-clown propaganda? Yes. (laughs) Good. Yeah, then Frank is like, we're going on another fun road trip. He uh, takes Jeffrey to a field, uh, sexually assaults him. And then beats the shit out of him and shoves like some blue velvet in his mouth because that's what he does. Uh, the next day, Jeffrey is having regret. Um, he's very upset and he sort of has a breakdown and he thinks about Frank hitting him and he thinks about him hitting Dorothy and he's like, wow, maybe I am like Frank. He goes to the police station and tells Sandy's father that the yellow man, who's his partner, is involved. And he's like, oh, it's all over now. That's cool. Uh, Jeffrey and Sandy go to a party. Uh, they kiss and they're like, we're in love now. They're pursued by a car, uh, which they think is Frank, but it's actually Mike, who's just like Sandy's sh- like really boring boyfriend. <laughs> he's just like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's a football player. He's on the football team. How boring can you get? <laughs> <laughs> he's not in college. He doesn't like go into women's closets. That's lame. Yeah. Um, is he? Yeah. Who's the, oh God, who's like Bobby's friend from Twin Peaks? Because in my head, these two characters are identical. Well, they are, because he's also called Mike. Yeah, he's also Mike. Is he also called Mike? Yes, he is. That's incredible. David's deal with Mike? (laughs) 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 He had a bully. Was there a a joke called Mike who was mean to him? 100% there was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, um, it's Bobby and Mike in Twin Peaks, and then the one-armed man is also called Mike, and then it's Bob, so it's Bob and Mike and Bobby and Mike. Mm. Um, oh, shit. I mean, I Wait, guess he also oh goes for these, like, very square American names. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. It's very, yeah. <laughs> it's a vibe. Mike is like, I'm going to beat the shit out of Jeffrey for stealing his girlfriend, but then Dorothy appears very beaten up and very naked, and Mike's just, like, baffled so much that he's like, I don't know, man, I'm going to go. 
Um, yeah. Um, they take Dorothy inside. She keeps like holding on to Jeffrey and being like, "This is my secret lover. He he gave me his disease." And Sandy's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I can't believe you've just been sleeping with this woman. But luckily they talk on the phone and he's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, okay, it's fine. Um, He's like, I'm going to go after, I'm going to go to her apartment and try and see what's happening. So he goes to her apartment and um, very normal scene where her husband's been shot in the head and he's got blue velvet in his mouth and the yellow man is just like got severe brain damage. So he's just sort of standing in the middle of the room. Also the TV is broken, which is very, very David Lynch, very symbolic of domestic abuse. Oh, electricity Um, also. Yeah, electricity. Mm. Um, Jeffrey uses the radio to trick Frank, who's wearing like a wild disguise, to go and um, find him in the bedroom. But he's actually in the closet. <laughs> when Frank arrives, Jeffrey shoots him in the head when he like opens the closet. And then afterwards, things are sort of a bit better. A lot of police people were murdered, but it's fine. It's fine. It's- <laughs> yeah, great. It's awesome. sort of over. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> but Frank's being stopped and his men are all like, they've all been defeated. Jeffrey and Sandy are now chilling out, just like, hanging. And they see a Robin that's definitely real. And definitely yeah, looks yeah, like yeah, a Robin. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and they're like, this is a reference to like Sandy's dream earlier about like, even though there are horrible things, sometimes you can survive if you like love enough and well. And that's sort of how the movie ends. And then we see Dorothy and she's reunited with her son and they're happy, which is good. Do you think it means anything that the, the like Sandy's dream like comes back at the end and also the song that Frank is obsessed with is in dreams? Just putting yeah, it that's out something. there. I think when, uh, oh, there were two parts that I, I noticed. When Jeffrey like first tells Sandy his plan, she says like, oh, it sounds like a wonderful daydream, but... Uh-huh. And the other was, um, she's like, I think she's like calling the cops at the end. And she said, or she's sobbing and she says, this was my dream. Mm. So, I don't know. Probably. Pretty dreamlike. <laughs> it's I all about like dreams. Quotes from David Lynch where he says, dreams don't really influence my films. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, sure, sure, dude. Let say me say it. So. Yeah, what a movie, huh? What a, what a why, movie. Why are there people like Frank? Why are there people like Frank? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, just sometimes people are evil, man. And you just gotta be like, yeah. damn, that's evil. Could you imagine being like... <laughs> I'm imagining being like a cinema sins type of guy and being like, ding, this villain doesn't have a complex backstory. <laughs> Just evil, <laughs> so boring. He's just an evil guy. Well, that's always David Lynch's thing. That's just, you know, just uh, a lot of his evil characters are just evil just because. Yeah. Mm. And Dennis Hopper absolutely like eats this shit up. In this role, he is. Oh yeah, he's having so much fun. Yeah, yeah. world, world's most normal man in this movie. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) screaming "Paps Blue Ribbon" at the top of his lungs. (laughs) (laughs) It's God. There's there's like this part where he's like, 
let's fuck or something he screams like something like that and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, they have to toast i'm to going to fuck everything that moves <laughs> yes <laughs> incredibly normal one yeah which is like yeah i guess kind of his role he's just like this figure of extreme sexual violence that yeah. just does a bunch of fucked up shit um, like yeah that's his whole function in the yeah in the plot yeah that's like what he does just an expression of like violence yeah and um He's yeah, just I like pure evil. He is pure evil, but he also wants you to call him a baby. Yeah. He he's the god I wish that were me guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is that what I, the original is for God I wish that were me? Yeah. Yeah. Like a baby. Yeah, it was an adult baby fetish post. It mm. was like a post of a tall woman. Having um, an adult man shrinking down to the size of a baby in, in her hands and holding him like a baby. Yeah. Mm. Great. <laughs> well, glad I know this now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I think it was like 10 years ago, like a week ago or something. Like it... uh, 2012, it says. Oh, okay. Then, then it's October only 8 years. October 16th, so. Damn. Yeah. I'm po- <laughs> posting this in the in the chat, even though other people are on this level. But it's not. <laughs> this is great. God, God, I wish that were me. Um, yeah. So, lots of themes in this movie. I was reading a bunch of different interpretations on the online, and people have different. Obviously, I think. I mean, what's the point of David Lynch? It's not like an answer to it. You can't solve it. Yeah, there's mm. not like an answer it's like you can kind of get what you feel out of it again it's um part of what i was saying before in one of the other episodes about like it's a very emotive form of storytelling where it's less about plot details and more about like the feelings of the plot as it happens and the emotions it brings out in you and the acting very much reflects that like we said that about Mm. dennis hopper that he just like goes full ham he's going to be like 100% 100% evil all the time, right? And then, like, Laura oh, yeah. Dern's character is going to, like, really lean into being, like, her, her acting just really leans into being the, like, innocent schoolgirl or whatever. Like, this this, mm. this archetype of these, like, 50s idyllic movies or, you know, the... Yeah. She's just going to be that constantly. And, you know, Isabella Rossellini is going to just do, do full cry acting constantly. She's going to cry a lot. Yeah. But she's also going to fuck. She, she is, yeah. <laughs> yeah she she's is. good at I, it. I think her, yeah. I do think it's very interesting. I mean, obviously this film is a lot, I guess, I don't know if I should have done a trigger warning or something at the beginning. Um, okay, I'm put this in the description. Yeah, tr- trigger warning sex- discussion of sexual assault and rape and stuff. Yeah. I do think it's very interesting the way she sort of kind of forces um sex upon Jeffrey at knife point um while sort of repeating the same stuff that Frank says to her later as like a sort of form of control and taking back a form of control but by sort of abusing another person and even when he even when she asks him to hit her it's also it's sort of controlling a sort of similar experience it's like it involves the similar actions but she's in control of this rather than mm. frank being in control yeah which is quite similar to stuff that he'll do later with um with laura palmer quite a lot 
is she has this sort of hypersexuality as a as a result of abuse and of sexual abuse as like a form of reasserting control, which I think he does he does sort of yeah he does quite well in this I think I think it's very effective. Um, mm. Yeah, it is, and that's also what was so controversial about this movie. Like that was kind of oh, yeah. why uh, Roger Ebert hated it because he he had like some complaints about how. Isabella Rossellini was like full front in in her like uh, sexual abuse scenes and had to be like that was like naked at several scenes completely and he was like criticizing about how that it feels exploitative to him some or something like that like I think that was his, his main criticism mm. and like I don't know do we agree with that um not really I don't think it, it's never meant it's never it's never presented in like the way other stuff that comes later like uses sexual assault as like a weird form of titillation yeah in like yeah it's never presented as anything apart from like brutality and i think it's supposed mm. to be like um, it's it's sort of relentlessly uncomfortable to watch at times so you know yeah like it never like in the beginning of the scene where he's like like in front of her it focuses quite a lot on her. It focuses on his face and on her face more than, like, what's happening. Yeah. And I think that's, like, important for not trying to make it into, like, an exploitation thing. I mean, you could say her being naked later is, like, I guess you could say that's exploitative, but I don't know. I don't think it's that big a deal because I don't personally find it particularly shocking, <laughs> so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1980, Maybe- they, they hadn't heard of nudity yet. Yeah, that's they true. hadn't seen <laughs> boobs before. They were like, damn, full bush, that's bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, and like the film it portrays sexual violence, but it's not it's very clearly like against it. Like when um yeah. when Jeffrey hits her, like there there's like fire and it's slowed down mm. and all scary and weird and mm. like clearly indicating that this is a terrifying and traumatic moment so like you know it's not it's not done without like consideration and you know it it taking a stand Mm. yeah yeah and she's like chipped her tooth when he does that it like it's it's a real yeah it's pretty brutal and then he has that thing because later on frank will be like oh you're just like me and he's like, fuck, am I? Uh-huh. I mean, and, like... I mean, I don't think he is. <laughs> well, but he does... There's the thing, right? Is that, like, why does he go into her into her apartment in the first mm. place? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. That, that was weird to me. Like, you said, like, he's forcibly pushed into this dark world, but, like, you know... He chose to he go does, there. Yeah. Well, I think he's. I think he's attracted to it. He's attracted to the dark. I mean, he says that. He says that right. in in his conversation with Sandy, where he's like, uh, "I am. I am attracted to mysteries." Yeah, he loves mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, she. Yeah. I like that that part where she's like, "I can't tell if you're a detective or a pervert," and he says, yeah. "That's like, what we need to know when you find, find out." Which is <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, okay. That's what the movie's about. <laughs> Being pretty think, candid. <laughs> I personally don't think Jeffrey is like. I, I don't know. I had this this thought like halfway through the movie where I was like just like asking to myself, who who is Jeffrey? 
who is he? Like, he's what a very is his, funny character. What is he supposed to be? Because he's like, look, he's Kyle MacLachlan, so we're like conditioned to like Kyle MacLachlan when we see him on yeah, screen. Yeah, already on board. Yeah. But he is like kind of a little piece of shit. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. In this like, movie, yeah, he's... <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of, he's just a weird guy. <laughs> so weird. But not in a not in the way uh, Dale Cooper is weird, where it's like weird in a very charming way. This is just like off-putting at parts. Well, but um, David Lynch sees Dale Cooper as being this character grown up. Okay. Like he sees them as being ah. kind of the same. Right. I mean, obviously sense. it's like death of the author and shit, but like yeah, yeah. No, I, he always I, says I don't even think I agree with that that take. Honestly, yeah. He's like, yeah, his just his thing was that he sees Kyle as having like a sort of innocence mm. that is drawn into like bad situations, mm. like against yeah. his will. The thing for me about Dale, what makes him like very different from Jeffrey, is that Dale like is surprisingly like extremely considerate about uh sexual advances and like relationship stuff and like mm. like he he always like very politely rejects um audrey's advances who is a minor and like you know he has this thing with annie and with uh he had the thing with like diane in the past right but it's mm. it always seems to be like it seems to be like he is very purposeful about like sexual stuff in in a in a way that Jeffrey isn't because he's just like fucking <laughs> fucking both of these characters uh, and like there's even like a point where like after he had sex with um, what's Isabella Rossellini's character Dorothy Dorothy mm-hmm. after that he just uh, says I love you to um, to Sandy <laughs> so he's like yeah and even when when like they meet. And Dorothy is like in in that awful state where she's like fully naked, and uh, they're like at Sandy's house. Even then, he's like not being very helpful or not doing a great job in like explaining himself. You know, I think he's just a pervert. I think yeah, but I think he I think he is a victim in this in some ways. Well, like in quite a lot of ways, um, because even even if he was like. I don't know. She she is holding him at knife point and he is visibly scared at the beginning true. of that scene. And she is like, do this or I will kill you. Yeah. I will kill you with my knife. But he didn't have um, to go in there. Well, no, I know that. But yeah, he's like, like, his yeah. character is, is like... I'm yeah. not saying he's like not a pervert. I'm just saying that he's still he can still be a victim yeah, at the same time. I think yeah. I agree with that. And yeah. then later on, because there's stuff like... Well, this this stuff that was like because this was originally four hours long. This movie, okay, yeah, did not know that. (laughs) Wow, and um, yeah, so there's a lot of funny things about this movie. About like, um, David Lynch took a pay cut to like have full artistic control Mm -hmm. and final cut privilege. Um, and the first cut he came up with was four hours long, and then the guy who was distributing it, who had to create his own distribution company in order to be allowed to distribute it because no one else would. (laughs) Okay. He said this has to be two hours long. This has to be way shorter. So he cut like a bunch of subplots. Uh huh. Um, so the original movie, I think, was like had quite a lot more going on. Interesting. Which again, I wonder kind if it's like a sort of proto Twin Peaksy kind of thing, mm. where it's like 
other plot lines. But there is stuff about in the original in the original cut when Jeffrey wakes up after being beaten up, he's like his he's been like raped. Um mm-hmm. and that's sort of supposed to be implied by like ha- like the condition that he wakes up in and there's stuff about like when Frank is like kissing him um and he puts blue velvet in his mouth and it's sort of like this sort of violence and sexual mm. violence thing that Frank does and I think yeah I think it's it's a lot about like that sort of stuff that's enacted upon Jeffrey like mm. he doesn't he does make choices, but a lot of the film is sort of things just sort of happening around him and to yeah. him. Yeah. No, I, I do think it's like, I, I, I think it's, yeah, I think I agree with you that it's it's kind of halfway between like him being, uh, him being a little shit, but also at the same time, like this world that he enters into, maybe out of curiosity, maybe out of being attracted to it is like way too much for mm. him to handle. Like it's much more than what yeah. he was actually prepared for. He's that, like nineteen. Yeah, the, I was going to say this. This second time talking about this stuff we've just been talking about was the second time I saw it. I made a lot more connections between it and Eraserhead. I felt like mm-hmm. a lot of it was, you know, mm. a younger person sort of having to a younger person in a position of naivety having to deal with you know this new world they're introduced to and it all being quite uh, quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, I think I think uh, honestly, yeah, the, the the connection to Eraserhead makes more sense to me than the connection to Dale Cooper because mm. uh, because it's like both of them have this aspect of uh, being afraid of women while also being attracted to them. Like that's that's kind of both of the characters' deal. Even mm. though, uh, as we said, like Jeffrey is like more of a victim here, I guess, but uh, it's still like a theme that comes back. I do think his relationship to Sandy is very funny. <laughs> it's pretty very funny. funny. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's like the, the satire walk. part of it, because 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 uh, all the like <laughs> this is what all the letterbox reviews don't understand apparently. That, but like all the like idyllic nineteen fifties, um, you know, diners and Chevrolets and. You know, big garden. Literal white picket fence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whitest fence you've ever seen. Like that's the weirdest looking roses. That's so clearly supposed to be a satire. And the the way the acting is in those scenes is also like distressing <laughs> because they're like distressingly like like in the final scene, they're like distressingly happy. There's like it's like distressingly idyllic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well that's the thing, right? That's the the um I don't know when David Lynch talks about light and darkness and shit. Cause like, yeah, you have this idyllic scene, but then the guy dies and there's ants underneath and yeah. it's woo scary. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, so, this yeah, year was it, nasty. It's <laughs> yeah. What if he just ate it? I'm just saying. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, we made this joke on Twitter, like a few weeks ago about how you should have just eaten the uh, the ear yeah. but honestly it's, it's free protein, protein. <laughs> just nothing would have happened to him if he just eaten it, it you know oh my god <laughs> he still goes like I found an ear I was like we'll see uh, um, about that uh. oh yeah no, I remember that, that it seems like the police officer takes it very very calmly when he's he's been told that there's an ear in a back he's like oh yeah, yeah. yeah. no that is a human ear great cool oh, uh-huh. let's see what's so like, good uh-huh. that's like classic let's David see what Lynch we <laughs> yeah speaking of classic David Lynch and like we already talked about the race I think 
uh, once again, watching them chronologically makes it really clear that this is like, mm. this is like the movie where like the David, uh, the things most people associate with David Lynch are established, right? Mm. Because uh, first two movies, like j- just the like color palette of this movie or the color scheme, like the the red curtain and then the uh, brunette-haired woman in the blue light singing in mm-hmm. front of the red curtain, yeah. a very like mm. sad, melancholy ballad. Like that's that's such a iconic David Lynch image. It's gonna yeah. come back to in. Uh, well, that's an interesting thing. Not to jump ahead and. Uh, steal something from the fucking uh four hour explain no really guy uh-huh. um <laughs> but david lynch's use of blue meaning mystery mm-hmm. like mm. you know mm. the, the the blue rose blue, rose, uh, yeah. blue box yeah. in Mulholland drive um oh, shit, yeah. i think that's applicable here like um dorothy sings blue velvet and so she's this very mysterious woman with with secrets um but then we and then he finds out and it's this it's this door to a whole nother world yeah kind of like yeah yeah so it's just a and you know it was like um frank's obsession with the velvet he's like why is there people like frank and the existence of frank <laughs> is a mystery to him he doesn't understand why he's so violent you know yeah <laughs> yeah like that's that's also gonna be a thing that comes back. Like people or entities that are just like inexplicably evil and violent, and you know you're mm. sometimes innocent, sometimes not less innocent. Like protagonists being thrown against them, or like yeah. Oh, but yeah. but the other thing about this movie is like this is still like fairly normal in oh, a yeah, way yeah, that yeah. there's so, no like still... unexplainable supernatural things happening or like yeah yeah and sort of and sort of structure wise it seems like the most conventional as well yeah. it's just got i guess i guess um i guess elephant man is also pretty similar it's, just, it's very clearly got beginning middle end it's all chronological there's you know <laughs> very little <laughs> very little <laughs> real Dune weirdness wasn't <laughs> uh, we're sort of discounting dude <laughs> we're sort of, <laughs> we're sort of no, bypassing I that. there was no musical interlude in dune which i found very surprising greatly missed yeah <laughs> Did we I get the worms singing something i bet it's because he didn't have final cuts on that one yeah they're just um they're in the, like the big water tunnel places and um <laughs> they had sting they just, and he didn't there's even just like a red it. curtain down there <laughs> and someone's singing in front of them <laughs> what are the worms start singing yeah isabella rossellini as well he was gonna have played josie in um in twin peaks okay all right interesting was that yeah because he, he was like dating isabella rossellini around the time this movie was made mm. so i wonder if this if this was also like they split up by the time they made twin peaks or i don't know there was an episode Maybe. of you I must remember know. this about this which is like just about Isabella Rossellini's relationships with David Lynch and Martin Scorsese. Yeah. She's kind of wild, really. Yeah. Honestly, mm. Gary Oldman, too. So, like, you know, go off. <laughs> mm. I want a dick girl. Yeah, so. probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, but the other thing is, like, it's... So it's like, there's, like, less, uh, you know, unexplainable uh, structures. That, like, there's no, like lost highway stuff where the main character is suddenly a different guy uh halfway through mm. the movie like there's no 
or there's no like Mulholland Drive shit where it's like a cowboy just walks up to them. But at the same time, there's like still already this like distressing quality to it. Like all the, all of Frank's guys are just like <laughs> supremely weird. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're that like whole fine with this. <laughs> with, with where they go to, what's his face? The handsome guy. Yeah. Um, that sort of, yeah, that room has a very interesting kind of vibe to it. It has it's a very, very strong aura. energy. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of red roomy. And it is like the mm. most famous scene of the, the, the movie or like one of the most famous scenes that David Lynch directed is the lip sync scene in, uh, in that room <laughs> where it's like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to describe it. Like the, the point where he like, uh, he just shines this like flashlight in his face and starts lip syncing to the Roy Orbison song and you know Frank crying to it and everyone else just being like mm-hmm. very attentive it has such a such an eerie vibe to it it's like really you're holding your breath for the entire scene yeah 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 mm-hmm. and it gives this weird sort of pathos to Frank in that moment because like he sees this mm this and he, he who early in the scene he calls very you know suave yeah and he sees him like i don't know as this ultimate you know crooner guy yeah and he's he's so it's it's very because i guess it's supposed to be surreal but he's like this guy and he's wearing like a lot of interesting makeup and he's got these interesting eyebrows yeah. and he's just like i don't know it it's sort of I'm trying to like pass it together because I guess he's like one of the only people who Frank is like you never feel that there's threat to him of violence from Frank whereas you feel like Frank could hurt any other people but Frank just seems like very friendly and sort of in awe of him which is really interesting yeah he loves Ben, Ben's great, we love Ben like makes like fucking uh, threatens uh, Jeffrey into toasting to Ben, and it, 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 yeah, he says, "Jeffrey, you better be yeah. polite to Ben." It, yeah, it, and then Ben punches him in the stomach. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. But it's kind of like an interesting dynamic, right? Because it's it's like, what what is it that? <laughs> and it's good that it's not explained, right? Like this is what it's mm. what yeah. is great about it that it's like never explained, but you feel like, you know, here's this extremely evil guy like you know world's most normal man frank but this one guy you know he 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 respects and like adores and this 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 guy like ben doesn't do anything actively evil or bad in this movie like he never punches anyone he uh doesn't do like any violence or whatever but like still he welcomes frank into his house so obviously he's like aware of all this bullshit so what's like what's the story to that well like, he, he, he does punch jeff he does punch jeffrey in the stomach though, oh yeah like violence <laughs> it's just jeffrey <laughs> and then there's like later the scene where where they're like in the car and they stop because you know as he was gonna as uh, as frank was gonna sexually coerce um what's her name, Dorothy again, Jeffrey like shouts at him mm. to stop. And so they drag like yeah. Jeffrey out of the car and then he makes one of his goons play candy colored cr- uh, clown on the cassette so that he can like abuse Jeffrey to that. 
like that's that's yeah. once again like that's another like very eerie scene but like you, you have him listen to the sentimental song and at the same time like you know he puts makeup on himself uh, or, or like lipstick mm. on himself and kisses uh jeffrey and then he like beats him up like it's ah what a gnarly scene mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like it's like connected to this really sentimental uh, song about dreams so I don't have an interpretation to it, but it's, it it really stood out. Yeah, and there's like a woman dancing on the roof of the car. Oh, it was so as, weird. As this all happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so into it. Yeah, she was chilling. <laughs> Getting down. Vibing. Just vibing. She was vibing. It's like I love the sound of punching. That's my favorite thing to dance to. <laughs> yeah, you saying that there was it was originally going to be four hours seems sort of weird to me because all of these moments, all, all the sort of like set piece moments of the movie seem so well paced out at the two hours maybe i'm just used yeah, to films being two hours long but blue velvet seems like structurally completely like very efficient it's got all of the key elements in the right places you're sort of hit with these big moments at the right time so for I, i'm i'm amazed to imagine what the, all the other bits would be <laughs> i know maybe i'm just too used to that they had a whole subplot where like yeah jeffrey i don't know they have like a <laughs> have an entire season of of you know plots just crammed all together like you know how there's like a fan edit of fire walk with me right that is like four hours long and it's apparently awful because it has all the scenes in it that david lynch cut out of it for a reason (laughs) (laughs) unsurprisingly it's terrible (laughs) so but but i'm I'm wondering because this this seems to be like one of david lynch's strengths to uh do because mulholland drive was also like a similar situation where it was shot Mm. like he planned it to be a tv show uh, and he shot a pilot and it didn't get didn't get to be a tv show so he like Mm. wrapped it up to be or cut cut it together to be a movie and it worked perfectly like it's his best movie just one of the greatest you know works of art ever created and it was created out of like necessity of like not Mm. him not being able to complete the tv show he was gonna make and i wonder if it's the same time the same thing here how like having even though he had final cuts having given the instruction that he should uh, put it to manageable movie length, just like, I wonder if that's what like brought out the strengths of the movie even more. Mm. Sometimes it's good to cut things. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody talks about, oh, you know, the auteur, we have this narrative of like the, the brilliant director and the evil, you know, stifling corporation that wants mm. to silence him or whatever. But like sometimes, yeah. you know, as an artist, it's good to have somebody say it needs to be this, yeah. you know, or else we get yes. uh, Inland Empire, which is very good, but also it's, <laughs> it's Inland Empire. So, you know, you get Stephen King books that are like five bazillion pages uh-huh. long and don't make any fucking sense. <laughs> or the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, exactly. You know? Wasn't there like, a, didn't Stephen King like go back and add like 400 more pages to the stand, which is already a thousand pages? Yeah, okay. I've, I've read, I've read the extended version of the stand. That's the version of the stand that I've read. I don't know if it was worth it, but I did read it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's all right. Um, I, I will say David says that the, the origin of this movie was a feeling. Okay. The image of someone finding an ear, the song Blue Velvet, and then he was like, what if there was a boy and he was hiding? He says, I always wanted to sneak into a girl's room and watch her into the night. You. <laughs> then right. maybe at one point I would see something that would be the clue to a murder mystery. Uh, and so this this became the movie. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Like, I did 
I think that's also like just the thing with David Lynch that he like works out of these very specific like he, he doesn't doesn't start with oh what if the story was like someone being kidnapped and you and you're finding them and there's an evil guy but his it's he he seems to work more out of specific images that he has like the ear being found mm. and that being like the catalyst to everything yeah. Also, he says that after Dune, I was down so far that anything was up. So it was just a euphoria. And when you work with that kind of feeling, you can take chances. You can experiment. So he was like, anything I make now will be better than Dune. So I'm just going to do whatever. (laughs) That's good. That's a good thing to take away uh, from a failure. Um, So this just proves that Dune was worth it. Yeah. And I mean, he found Kyle through Dune. And um, yeah. Yeah, I do wonder if uh, if the, if he was like, uh, man, I loved working with Kyle, but I hate the movie that I made with him. So I, 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 I am going to make up with a better one <laughs> where I'm going to give him. Yeah, he just, again. he just loves him, really. He thinks Kyle's great. He was like, I just want to use yeah. Kyle. Speaking of reused people, Jack Nance is here. Jack Nance is here. Yeah. Jack Nance. <laughs> Have you ever been to pussy heaven? <laughs> <laughs> God, iconic. It's so funny. <laughs> it, it always just turns me around a little bit whenever he's playing a character that isn't just completely wholesome like he does in Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's just it's, yeah. it's a very difficult thing for me to come to terms with. It's like, no, it's Jack. It's so funny. Like in this one and in Dune, it's it's the same thing of him just having so much fun with the very little screen time he's having. He's just yeah, yeah, glad yeah. to be here. <laughs> oh, and what, one, of the, one of Frank's boys, I, I looked at his face and I was like, oh, I've been... I'm sure I've been off-put by that face before. Where have I seen him before? I looked at my phone, it's um, Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, ah, I have been put off by that face before. <laughs> <laughs> he just collects actors. And it's like, these are my actors now. I will never, I will collect more, but I won't give them up, you know? Was this, like was Lord this, Dern. yeah, this, this was, was Lord Dern's first, first yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her first film? Yeah. Oh, that's wild. She was 19. Damn. And she's great um, in this. He, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her and Kale have some good chemistry. I, I, their scenes together yeah, is really good. Yeah, there's yeah. some very nice behind-the-scenes pictures of them practicing her slapping him, and it's very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and then obviously he brings her back for various things. It's like this interesting thing about how there's like I think this this is once again becoming a repeating thing that we talk about, but there's just like this certain type of actor who just vibes extremely well mm, with yeah, yeah, yeah. what david lynch is going for and there's like mm. a thing he's trying to do and some actors just get yeah. it just, they're just on the same wavelength the whole time i think that's reflective of his like auditioning style of just like chatting with them you know not yeah. reading lines yeah. but just like talking to them and seeing if he can find the character in their mannerisms mm. but it's wild because like yeah. i couldn't see I couldn't see, for example, I'm just saying a name, I couldn't see, like, Brad Pitt be in a David Lynch project. But at the same time, <laughs> no. when it was like, Michael Sarah is going to be in Twin Peaks, that, like, immediately made sense. <laughs> right. I forgot does, about that. <laughs> An iconic oh, he's scene. brilliant. Uh, <laughs> you see, we were talking about um, how artists need restrictions, but he did just, like forced them at gunpoint to give him 18 episodes of The Return, and boy, did he, boy, did he put stuff out. Knocked it out of the park, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to remember what else I was going to talk about in this movie. The suburbs suck. The suburbs bad. bad. Things that are good, actually bad. Mm-hmm. But, but so, like, <laughs> have you, have you, you think about that? 
American cinema like kind of super convinced me that the suburbs are awful because it's always like yeah I never never considered that they were yeah. good they seem alright mm. you know <laughs> it always turns out that they're awful they always have like a CD underbelly you think they're good no <laughs> they're bad that's that's <laughs> Families suck, and everyone's abused. Just thinking about how uh, David Lynch, like, is also indirectly the reason for Riverdale existing. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Riverdale is very influenced by the works of David Lynch. Um, like, even the type, even the typography of the opening yeah. <laughs> sequence of Riverdale is based on Twin Peaks. Because, like, this one has a diner scene. <laughs> and it's, yeah. like, shot in a very similar way, uh... Or the great uh, classic diner scenes in Twi- uh, in Riverdale are shot. So, jot that well, down. To be fair, there's a lot of diner scenes in the comics of Archie comics because oh, yeah. it's the, like the fifties, and that's just where they go. No, yeah, I guess I guess uh, Blue Velvet is kind of like a subversion of the Archie comics style um, vision of America. Yeah, yeah. It's like what if war of... happened, but it was happening against that sort of suburban thing. Yeah, exactly. They're both happening in the same place. Right. David Lynch has gotten a lot of mileage out of the um, the idyllic post-war, well, I guess, middle of the Cold War, like, Americana image of the 1950s. Yeah. I thought for too long that uh, Blue Velvet was a song that Lana Del Rey wrote. Oh my god. <laughs> because I was uh, very into Lana Del Rey in, uh, when I was 15. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah, who wasn't? It's a good age to be into Lana Del Rey. <laughs> um, but yes, it's like, like I knew about the movie, but it just the two were just completely unrelated in my head. I mean, Lana Del Rey was kind of like birthed by, by the David Lynch aesthetic also. Uh, like yeah. the, the thing she's going for is, it is just like who's the who's the person who sung "Dreamin'" in Twin Peaks, and uh, uh, she also Ju- sung Julie. something for like she sang for a ton of David Lynch movies. Julie Cruz, right? Uh, Julie Cruz, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Lana Del Rey is a continuation of that. <laughs> I think I saw a tweet that said something like Lana Del Rey just wishes she could go back in time and fuck her Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true that's yeah very much her thing she also wants to die in a car crash from like narcotics while being like a 60s movie star of course star, I think. makes perfect sense of course like fucking uh venice bitch is just like just about that <laughs> god what a good album by it. an awful person <laughs> i know it was such a good album oh annoying um yeah, other points. What do we think about the ending of the movie? I was going to say um, I was su- surprised by how sort of um, closed it is. It's, it all just seems really sort of linear. It feels like too closed. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. It, it was bizarre in that, that that doesn't seem to be the way any of the other films end. Yeah, I think I think there is a thing here which is actually supposed to... I don't know. It's probably you could disagree on it or whatever, I don't mind. Um... I feel that there's this thing here that is David Lynch's very, like, sincere sort of view on things. Because I Mm. I think there is, like, a theme in his work where there'll be, like, fucked up shit, but he genuinely believes in, like, the redemptive power of love and Mm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And even though it's supposed to be talking about, like, how there are dark things lurking, like, beneath the surface of things, there are things that are hidden, I think he genuinely believes that there's, like, goodness to be found in, like, loving each other. And I think that's kind of what the ending was, Um, Mm. even though it feels almost too sincere, I think. Well, that's kind of the point of, like, uh, Sandy's dream of, you know, of our world in darkness but then the robin was like an explosion of love and robins or whatever yeah yeah that's the that's kind of his mo that like yeah there is darkness but with love there can be you know we can defeat it or whatever he's on about yeah and people yeah and people interpret the ending as being like a lie and i don't think it's supposed to be like that i don't think that's what he's saying interesting because i'm just like skimming through the wikipedia and apparently he says in his he says it's his first like two drafts of uh of the movie that he wrote like before before elephant man were not very good yeah. because all the unpleasantness was already there but like not much else mm. so <laughs> it seems like he got like he already got the idea for like all the all the evil stuff and all the like abuse stuff and like Maybe just later got to the backdrop of this like sweet uh, saccharine fifties uh, type uh, suburb. Mm. But yeah, I think there is a thing as well that they're unable to be happy in a true way together until she knows about the stuff with Dorothy, mm-hmm. and she can sort of see that he's also like there's bad things hidden within him, and it's only after he's had to sort of face up to that and she's had to be aware of it that they can actually move on as like a couple yeah Yeah. shining a light into the darkness yeah Yeah, exactly you have to look at it in order Mm. to grow and not be destroyed by it I think which I think is uh, that's like a big Twin Peaks theme as well yeah 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 also like the ending of um, the ending of Dorothy's Dorothy was like that was that was the one that because because that was just like she was sitting there and her child was like running towards her. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> that like didn't super convince me. That I know, maybe it's it's just not the point, but it really went. From... It, it, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely rang a little bit as like maybe too clean to yeah. me as well. But that that might be just because I've seen other David Lynch things and like compared to those, this is a relatively clean ending. Yeah. Yeah, he was still doing endings at this point. He hadn't like gotten into his. <laughs> he hadn't seen the light. Thing, yeah. <laughs> of, of... The, the post-ending David Lynch career. Yeah, he hadn't, hadn't unlocked yeah. that. You know, apart from a razor head, they've been. You know, they've been endings. Yeah. How did the razor head even end? Uh, he maybe. <laughs> I was trying to boink. He goes into some weirdness. There's a guy on the moon. Oh yeah, I, I remember. remember. <laughs> <laughs> the moon the moon breaks open God, what a movie. Uh, and he goes into the radiator and he maybe dies yeah um, good shit for like half of this recording I've been trying to remember what the end of that movie was <laughs> <laughs> listen some stuff happens um, yeah there's like yeah. Oh no, the big the uh, the baby gets really big. 
There's the big baby head. Oh, big baby. The big yeah, baby yeah. head. It becomes yeah. the master in disguise turtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then and then the head becomes the planet, and then the planet breaks, and then um, he and goes then, into the radiator. And then the movie ends. Uh huh. Yeah. So the equivalent for forward, yeah. Blue Velvet would be that the like here's here's my pitch. So it, it okay. it's, okay. you know after the you know they deal with Frank, they're gonna find. Um, Dorothy's kidnapped child, and then the mm. child's head is gonna start expanding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that the propeller on the top of the yeah. hat goes really, really fast. And like, <laughs> like attacks them. <laughs> Man, I would love if this movie ended with the propeller flying <laughs> <flat> around. <laughs> Uh, what if Kyle wakes up and actually he's a different person? Um, oh yeah. He, he Kyle wakes up and he's Frank. Ooh. But this is this is this is spoilers for me. I've not seen which one's this one. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, and you know when he shoots Frank, he's killing the uh, the instinct for violence in himself. You know. Okay. Maybe that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. He's like, damn, I won't be, I won't be Frank because I'm not violent. I'm going to shoot him. By shooting this man in the head, I disavow violent acts. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, it takes a good man with the gun to defeat a bad oh, guy with the gun. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> like, wonder if it's like a Game of Thrones thing where, like, if you kill once, you, once you manage to kill Frank, like, all of his goons are just gonna fall. Yeah, they just fall over like when you kill Dracula, all the vampires yeah. die. <laughs> all evil in the world has been defeated. Uh, okay. Any any further points to be made? Music, pretty good. Oh yeah, this is pretty the first uh, the first one that has a score by Angelo Badalamenti. Mm-hmm. I hope they work together again. Oh, that would be, be cool. nice. One would, yeah, one would hope. There's there's potential in this Angelo guy. I see a bright future for him. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I just really like this movie. I think it's really like completely solid. I I enjoyed it a lot more this time than I did the first time. Mm -hmm. I think that's just, I think that's something you can get from most David Lynch films. The second viewing is always, you know, you're always going to dig more up. Yeah, same for me. Like I liked it the first time, but uh, I was like, I think I also had like, I was just, the first time I was just very confused about, wait, what? Mm. what is the mystery even how how do they did they resolve it uh but the second and time you, yeah the second time you're, you're, you're just you know no it's not once you realize that's not really the point yeah exactly you just stop yeah, worrying yeah. about yeah, it yeah I, I felt like that on my sixth viewing of june <laughs> <laughs> after the 54th viewing it really it really starts to you really you really get you really get into it <laughs> Oh, you're still no. watching movies? Oh, I I, wa- I read the uh, the film strip frame by frame. That's how you really get the whole uh, experience. That's of how the you film. Really true movie goers. Yeah. Uh huh. I just read the script. It's the same. <laughs> but it did feel like very com- complete to me. Like uh, I I didn't have the thing that I had with Dune, where I was like watching it in <laughs> four or five chunks. Uh, mm. And this one is just like really smooth, like one yeah, yeah, sitting. Yeah. No, I mean, 
I was I was intending on watching it over a couple of days because I was getting back from work very late. And yeah. I was going to watch it when I came back, but I got about halfway through and just was riveted. I just had to I like, I just had to watch it all the way through. I just, it's just I, I, it seems really efficiently paced and it's just really exciting all yeah. the way through. Yeah, yeah, it's a thriller. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. yeah, it's his first real swing at like a at a thriller, and it, he does a good yeah. job. I think he's yeah. yeah he's he's like very he's becoming very good at like holding the viewer's attention. I guess. Mm. Mm. In for four hours. Yeah, for four <laughs> hours. But he he gets you with this one because this is as I or as we said a relatively conventional movie. But the mm. the techniques he develops in this one in like holding the audience's attention is also gonna be like it's gonna be interesting when we get to the stuff like Lost Highway where it's like. I think that movie also like is from a moment to moment basis really has your attention even though you you're not really sure what even is happening but you're still mm. like captivated in a way that is uh, that very few yeah, people can do I think like very few people can make movies that are non-linear uh, non like not necessarily add up to to something if you watch them like just for the story and and still you know, and they're still able to hold your attention. Yeah, I'm excited for that kind of period of time of his work because I haven't really seen anything from around that time period. Mm. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for Straight Story. That's going to be it's going to be great. I think, oh, yeah, I think so. Straight Story has uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who who I really like to see. So yeah, he's good. Yeah, National he treasure. refused. He refused to be in Blue Velvet, Harry. Dean oh, interesting. Because hmm. um, uh, of the violence. Oh yeah. Everyone was so upset about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. It's not that bad. <laughs> Maybe we just make filth these days, but it no, doesn't I seem think like that bad. I think you're just nasty. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not discounting that possibility. I just don't think it's like no, but I think that wild. This is just Game of Thrones. This is just the same as Game. I think of I think the difference is that I and I've been thinking about this for like for a while for, about movies. That it's not the amount of like it's, it's not the actual amount of violence that you see that is going to be disturbing yeah. or not. It's just the way the movie contextualizes it and. The rare, like, I think we're really used to movies that are just gonna show gratuitous violence, uh, and it's like mm. you're not gonna mm. feel anything. That you're gonna you're gonna have those movies where like the ones that really put like weight into it or like explore the consequences, mm. where it's even if it's mm. like less actual gore or violence mm. than that actually happens than than you're used to, it's still gonna fuck you up much more. Yeah, and I think yeah, yeah. I think Blue Velvet is like it, it really you know makes you feel the the bad stuff. Yeah, I feel like that's the, yeah. the point of the whole movie is the focus on violence. So that, I mean, it's obviously gonna have to treat it with you know the appropriate amount of care. That's the the whole film is trying to sort of explore the consequences and you know effects of violence. Yeah, yeah. It's like how in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, there's like a there's like an attempted rape scene at the uh-huh. end, which I found like really distressing. Mm. But it gets like a PG thirteen rating, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but even like in Game of Thrones, you know, it's like there's there's like no like there's so much violence happening, and none of it is gonna like make you even raise more than an eyebrow. Yeah, 
I don't know. I guess people were raising eyebrows in the first season. That's why I got so yeah. big, isn't it? They were like, damn, you should watch this show. It's fucked up. Yeah, but the first season was like relatively <laughs> tits tame. in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people did get really mad at this. Um, like, people... People would like... They were very angry. <laughs> um, he had to cut some stuff. Um, it, it does say because the material was completely different from anything that would be considered mainstream at the time, DeLorean Terrace had to start his own company to distribute it. Uh-huh. So, like, no one would distribute it. I know David Foster Wallace liked it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, that's oh, yeah, a big thing a, for him. Like yeah. It was like a core part of his, like, definition of, of Lynchian. I yeah. Think. Yeah, it's mm. like what, what made him realize that, like, there's this interview with, uh, with David Foster Wallace where he was like, when, when he saw. Uh, blue velvet in in the cinema he finally understood like what art is about <laughs> or how to <laughs> oh my god because <laughs> he had this whole thing about how uh, he learned about all this like post postmodern stuff in like lit class or whatever and like that was the big thing mm-hmm. in literature at the moment and uh, and then he saw blue velvet which is an entirely sincere movie and then he realized how you how much more effectful something can be if you're sincere instead of being ironic or it's, it was something like that yeah yeah um yeah i'm just remembering i'm it's a good movie <laughs> god uh, a friend of the show stephanie just noticed all the great images we've been posting <laughs> in discord <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, I, I can't find the actual quote, but I've seen a thing go around on Twitter from like Dennis Hopper uh, in an interview talking about this movie. And he was like how David Lynch directed him saying, uh, not, say, say that word louder. When you, say, when you say the word in this scene, you got to say it like this. Um, and then Dennis Hopper was like, fuck, the word is fuck, David. <laughs> like, he was talking about how... David is making these incredibly violent, dark movies, but at at the set he was just always the most cheerful guy who was who would never utter a profanity. Mm-hmm. He, I think he's very like, I don't know. He writes these like fucked up stories, and then when he's talking, he's just like, I would never say a bad word. I'm just a good boy who's never had bad thoughts. <laughs> yeah, Isabella Rossellini was dropped from her. Um, uh, from her agency after the film. Oh my god. Oh wow. Because, because they found it so offensive. That's fucked up. See that that seems like like people there's always some sort of you know I feel like you get outrage that can come off sort of like sporadically, but for someone to like lose their yeah, that seems excessive. Yeah, it's it's very wild. Um This is insane. And then um apparently the the nuns at her school that she used to go to said that they were gonna pray for her. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Oh, seriously. But it does make me wonder sometimes, like, do people not know about acting? I don't know. This didn't happen happen to her. She's fine. (laughs) They were like, we can't believe that man would do that to you. (laughs) Someone should do something about this. (laughs) I'm glad they shot him, but it's really sad that that happened. This is a very good take. I like this a lot. <laughs> Actor, what? It's very, very um performance. Galaxy Quest. It's Galaxy Quest in it, where he's like, oh yeah, the, the historical documents. 
Yeah, this really happened. This happened to my friend, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I think that's everything. I, I think we have an that episode. That I can think yeah. of. I think we yeah. I think we like Feels this like movie. I think it's fair to say this is a good movie. Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah. Would recommend. Did a good job on this one. Well done, guys. Um, so I guess next month we'll be talking first season of Twin Peaks. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, here we go. <laughs> I already forgot. It's a little, se- little series called Twin Peaks. You may have uh, first series. Heard of. First series only seven episodes, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, fine. seven or eight. Easy, easy peasy. Easy, easy, easy. Simple. I'm on season two now in my rewatch, and I'm I'm getting into the bad oh, zone. The badlands. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet because we still haven't got to like the killer reveal, which I think yeah, is like that's, yeah. pretty good. But there's like there's other threads that are creeping in that I'm yeah. like. Oh. I think like the last, like some people are saying, only the last episode of season two is good again. I disagree. With, I think the last like four or five are good as as soon as like they start like figuring out what the fuck they're doing uh yeah. but there is a rough stretch of like six seven eight episodes that are yeah, just yeah, like yeah. just james staring into the there distance are... yeah there are some bits I, I do like quite a lot from season two um oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's just other stuff mm-hmm. that i'm like i think it's all it's know. all valuable for the the twin peaks experience i think Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to get through it all yeah yeah, was it little? What's the the? Ah, oh, fuck! When you know when um Andy just imagines the devil child in his brain <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> with like this really really ropey yeah. visual oh. effect. <laughs> the pregnant Lucy subplot is it's so bad. Little what's Nikki? The, what's oh my god! The, what's, the, what's the other guy's name? What's Dick the, Tremaine? Um, Dick Tremaine. Dick, yeah, everyone's favorite. Whatever, <laughs> rich guy. Do you remember, yeah, like Audrey's like pilot hot guy who just appears. I think, I think, I think, and then they fuck in the airplane. <laughs> oh, yeah, forget what Billy Zane. Billy, oh, Zane, Billy Zane was yeah. good. I like Billy um, Zane. Um, that's but people, some people like plots that other people hate because a lot of people don't like the Civil War Ben <laughs> It's plot, so like. dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but other people are like it's pretty good actually i quite I, enjoy it i just like ben in general like he's a shithead but he's uh he's enjoyable to watch yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah I'm... yeah there's lots of lots of themes to do with ben he's good he's a good theme yeah. guy yeah. he's like hello i'm excited to revisit <laughs> season one so yeah the plan is we're gonna watch mm-hmm. twin Peaks season one next month then we're gonna yeah. watch the classic christmas movie uh wild at heart Hell yeah. In December. And then we're probably going to do two episodes on season two of Twin Peaks. And then one episode on Firewalk With Me. Mm. Yes. So look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll love it. We love it. You'll love it. Yeah. Everybody. Um, yeah. Until then, this has been Lynchpin. This um, has been Lynchpin. I, I, we've been your, your hosts who you know how to podcast good. Mm-hmm. Um. I always remember how we do these episodes every yep, month yep. when I do them. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. Um, yeah, and until until next month. Oh, does anyone um, who want to plug something? Uh, does anyone? Does anyone oh, have people listen a... to this that it's worth plugging things? <laughs> true. True. <laughs> but all right, go ahead. No, well, I got an album you can listen to if you like music oh, yeah. and sounds. No. Uh, go don't, to... don't, don't really like sounds. Well. <laughs> You like these ones? They're good. They're good sounds. (laughs) If you like the theme theme song of this podcast, yeah, 
Yes. You should listen. It's a good album. I really like it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I recommend. Up, find Pure Mothman, The Season of Revelation, wherever you listen to music, unless it's somewhere where I haven't, if it's like a normal <laughs> one, you know. Unless it's your own personal LimeWire account, in which case uh-huh. it's probably not on LimeWire. Yeah. It's not on archive.org or any <laughs> weird, you know, Reddit, Google drives. So uh-huh. just find it. You can not, you not yet. follow the clues. You can find it. <laughs> It's yeah, you know how to google stuff yeah. you have to find the album <laughs> <laughs> um you, you should listen to one of my podcasts that isn't this one as well as listening yeah. to this you probably one. do um, though you probably do so it's like is there yeah. any point in even mentioning them but <laughs> I, they're they're in the description yeah. probably or well, the, the website links in the website description with all the, the shows so. uh but like if I look at the listener numbers we get on this and then our other podcast, then it's safe to say that uh, the listeners on this podcast are like the hardcore fans of our other podcast. So we appreciate you. The specialist. Thank you. Also Lily listens. Which oh, is nice. nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. She was very upset that I didn't ask her um, to talk about Dune on here, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but she'll get over it. Sorry, Lily, but you know. Mm, them's the breaks. Um, we'll see see you next month. Goodbye. And until then, stay linchpin. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect cut print. Get blue, (laughs) Belvin. And that's a wrap time. Don't erase your head. Uh Um, Okay. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye.